guys welcome back to according to i'm megan and i'm sierra megan and i are back with another book episode for the podcast so i think what have we done so far for I book episodes want to say we've only done i thought we only did one before i think we have only done one but do you remember what it was um it was just like our favorite books? i don't know it's been we did it forever yeah, ago it was a while ago <laughs> um and today we wanted to give you guys our top five books since we've kind of like restarted our reading journey, um, like spring of 2021, we feel like these books are the ones where if you haven't been a reader, but you want to get back into it, we'd recommend these ones. Bec- and we have like a couple different genres here too. Yeah. So there's going to be something for everyone. Like hopefully. trust me, I could recommend so many romance books that like I feel like would get a lot of people out of a reading slump, but not everyone's into romance. And so we picked like one romance and then some other books from some other genres that hopefully one will pique your interest. Um, so obviously go into sharing our weekly spotlights as well. But Sierra, to be honest, Sierra did most of the planning for this episode. So props to her. Thank you. Um, but we've both read all of the books that we're going to talk about. Also, something to point out too is that Sierra on her own, she thought of, you know, five books that she would recommend for people to read if they were wanting to get back into reading or if they're in a reading slump. And so just for fun, she was kind of like, you go ahead and you pick out the your books five. that you think would be your top five. And we picked out the same books. Or I was like, I said kind of like two for one genre where I was like, it'd be one of these ones that I'd want, but it still matched one it of the ones crazy. that Sierra said. And I mean, I'm, I was just looking at like our entire bookshelf and some of them like were super easy. And then some of them I was just like, for this genre, like, what do I think would be mm-hmm. a good one? And pretty impressed by the fact that we picked the same five yeah and i think what's interesting is that you know you'd think it'd be like oh like let me just shout out my like five star favorites and like that would be kind of like the podcast is just going over our five stars but i think it's like a very distinct difference between like books that are rate five stars granted we're gonna share some five star books here but we're gonna share some four stars too and we've like excluded some five stars because um it's just like i don't know if that's the book to get you back into reading Mm-hmm. so or like these might have like a wider net of people exactly that might enjoy the books rather than some of our five stars because i'm also so. trying to like capture like megan said cast a wider net so that like it'll catch anyone that wants to start reading some of the books that i've given five stars might be like five stars for me and like this specific group of people but maybe not for everyone so we want these books to be very broad in appeal okay before we um jump into more book related stuff let's talk about our weekly spotlights so do you have a (laughs) weekly spotlight to share um my weekly spotlight honestly i mean i did have a good first week at my clinical but it was nice just coming back home this weekend i'm kind of lonely in cedar rapids so it was nice to be around people (laughs) again um my weekly spotlight is i really like the hours of my clinical so far granted i got off early three days of the first (laughs) week um but it was just nice like the day goes by like really quite fast honestly which is nice because I'm not like staring at the clock just like waiting for the day to be done so I've been enjoying it so far we can talk a little bit about just our first week overall Sierra actually vlogged her entire first week um so if you want to see that it's already up on our channel and then I will be uploading my week in my life this next week like, I'll be recording it, and so since this comes out Thursday, it'll be uploaded this coming weekend. Um, so, I'm doing acute care, 
that was not the original plan when I first went and picked my final terminal clinicals. I was supposed to be doing inpatient rehab. Um, and then I found out like during my first clinical that that fell through due to staffing. And so I ended up getting moved to doing acute care, um, which really like I was overall pretty okay with it. Like, I don't know, you just, you got to roll with the punches. So I am doing that and I'm on a cardiopulmonary floor for the most part. That's, it really, acute care is kind of acute care in my opinion. So it is not super specific on the floor you're on slash they've had to kind of like do some combining of floors too just because of like staffing issues and then um I've also seen a little bit of outpatient like joint replacement surgeries we'll go and see them before they go home and then we also technically do like the cardiac ICU as well haven't been down there a whole lot but kind of getting a good mix and I really like all of the like people that I'm working with and I've kind of been with like a few different therapists just to be flexible and whatnot. Um, but the, what I like about acute care, and this is kind of the case with inpatient rehab too, but you get there and instead of like jumping straight into like, you're there, patient number one right away, um, you have time to chart review. You're seeing like what kind of changes have happened overnight, if anything. You're checking, at least in acute care, like lab values. How are those looking? Is there anything that like you need to be aware of? And you have like a good hour or so to like, check on things, and then decide kind of which patients you want to see at least that morning, and then we go do that. We are oftentimes, like, communicating with, like, the nurses beforehand or after, or, like, there's care coordinators that we're talking with afterwards to try and figure out what else do they need to do before they go home or what else needs to be figured out, and then um, we go to lunch, and then after lunch, we might spend, like, a little bit of time charting some stuff from that morning, um, or I'll start reviewing other patients if you want to check additional things for like the patients we're seeing in the afternoon. And then, um, once we finish all of that, then we still have time at the end of the day to do charting, which I haven't had, I haven't done a whole lot of charting yet. I've done like, I've tried one eval note and one, um, like follow-up note just to kind of like start figuring out how to use the software and stuff, but that's going to start increasing. And, um, a lot of my first week I was just kind of like, an extra hand to help out and then I'm gonna start doing more these coming weeks so yeah good stuff um for my rotation so I'm doing inpatient rehab and we'll see patients for up to an hour and a half each day and so they for sure get an hour and a half an hour and a half of PT but sometimes they're with another PT or a PTA for like some of their other sessions um and they'll split it up usually having an hour session and then a half hour session in the morning versus the afternoon. So I've been able to like work with two patients during this first week fully on my own. Kind of like the good thing about inpatient rehab is that you see them every single day. So you kind of get caught up on like what's going on with them and what activities to do with them pretty fast, which has been nice. It's kind of cool to see like how quickly I can like gain my independence with that. So I've been doing some notes for that. Um, It's a very nice facility that I'm at. So there's like a lot of like things that we can do. They have like this harness system set up in the gym to help with like walking and stuff. They have a car in the gym, which is pretty common in a lot of inpatient rehab settings to like practice getting in and out of cars for transfers. Um, and yeah, just like some other cool stuff there that we get to use. And I also like my schedule. So I work eight to four thirty usually. And like Megan, I have kind of like that first 
hour from eight to nine to do some reviewing of like their charts and stuff. Um, we get like a morning update from like nursing about like how the patients did overnight, um, any changes. We don't ever really have any like, there's usually like no times we don't see a patient because they're usually all pretty stable at that point. Um, and then we have an hour at the end of the day too. So we're done at 3.30. We have 3.30 to 4.30 to document. So that's kind of nice to have that built in documentation time. Sierra's favorite thing is a CI that has kids (laughs) and they got to go home. Yeah. I've just noticed that every time I have a CI that has kids, they're like, all right, well, I'm going home. And I'm like, nice. Versus some CIs who don't have children, it's like, they don't really care if they like stay later and stuff. And then they also don't care if you as the student. But you know, it's nice to have a CI who's like, well, I got to go. So you can go too. Um, something else too is like, and I'm still like not 100% sure, like, do I see myself immediately doing like outpatient versus an inpatient position once I graduate, but it's nice in inpatient, you have some downtime. You have some time to just like get your ducks in a row and reset a little bit versus like outpatient. I mean, like your only off time, if you have a full schedule is your lunch and otherwise it is patients back to back to back to back, no break at all. Or some clinics even have like overlapping time slots i swear and it's I nice to just never like, work at a clinic with overlapping time slots like i'm gonna try my hardest to not do it's that. nice to just have a moment that's all to breathe yeah even like there was a patient when i was like at my last one we were doing outpatient you know and you just kind of get used to it but like one of the patients was asking just like so do you have like patients like every like all the time all day and there we were like yeah and they're like you don't even get like five minutes and, like, sure, you find, like, you might, like, run to go to the bathroom in between patients here and there. But, like, you really, you don't really have, like, five minutes or no. to have anything unless someone, like, cancels or something or is late. So, yeah. That's the kind of quick catch-up. And so now we have eight weeks to go before graduation. Crazy. All right. So, Megan already kind of touched on us getting, like, re- into reading back in 2021 so i feel like our story is pretty similar to a lot to a lot of other people who like are getting back into reading or like started reading again um as they kind of like were in college and like maybe like getting in their first jobs and stuff and so in middle school like we were huge readers like we read all the time always had like our little free readings free reading books with us um our mom would even like buy us books here and there to like read on our own at home and then i feel like you get to high school and it's like you don't really have like that free reading time anymore and so you don't like bring a book with you like the only books we really really read in high school was like when we had those assigned books that yeah we had to read like for class and so that was it and then like i wouldn't i don't think i ever checked out like a book from the high school library like i cannot i didn't go to the library that often in high school and so you just like lose that and i feel like since no one's telling you to read and you're busy with other stuff too you like don't think to read and then obviously i go to college reading is not on my mind because i am busy trying to figure out how college works and stuff and it wasn't until we got to grad school and I would just like see in my opinion like reading just like kind of got big on social media I feel like it started with the pandemic but then even beyond that like obviously the pandemic really started in 2020 and we didn't start reading until like a full year later basically and so I feel like I just kept seeing people that I followed on social media like talking about the books that they were reading and I was like I love the idea of reading and at the time I remember just being like I like when do I have time when would I possibly have time to read? Because I felt like I already had so much in my day that it was like, I don't have any other time to devote to reading. Um, 
but what started off well being on vacation helped first to like kickstart kickstart because i was like okay we have a week or so here where i'm not really focusing on school at all and you know it was kind of like the ideal of we're going to a beach let's do the whole like relax on the beach bring a book with us like i've never really done that before yeah i've always been if i'm on like a relaxing vacation it's always been like let me put in some put in my airpods listen to a podcast or like listen to music and that's what i've just done which is nice relaxing like i love that but i was like let's try reading and like see if we can entertain ourselves with something else and so that's when like we went to like barnes and noble and like keep in mind i had like read i think two books at this point prior to like spring break or whatever this trip was it wasn't spring break but it was like in may or something um and so i was like i knew at the start of 2021 I was like, I'm going to read at least three books this year because I wanted to be a reader. And I was that's like, that's so funny, like looking back on that goal <laughs> now. And so um, it shows I, how much it can overtake you. Really? I read my first book um, during winter break and I was like, okay, nice. I got one book under my belt. And then I read. Do you remember that? I read the first two, the I think. first book was? Um, my first two were both you, Agatha Christie's. So the first which one was. Which is so interesting because like you kind of like really went into that like classic. That's because that's what I thought I would like. Realm. So I read murder on the orient express and then i read and then there were none and and then there were none great book i would highly recommend it if you are looking to read it it's not they one also of our books that we're a, recommending, um, but they also have a limited series like a not, bbc it's like a two, two episode part. yeah thing that was good which is why i did not i don't know if i would have read the book anyways but sierra was like we have to watch this and i'm not waiting for you to read the book so and that was it was well done i thought um but yeah at that point i had read those two books um, but then I kind of fell off. School started. I got busy, and I wasn't really thinking about reading that much. I think I started the merger of Roger, Ac- the murder of Roger Ackroyd. The merger. Yeah, I combined <laughs> my words there, and then I like <laughs> fell off, stopped reading it basically. But for this vacation, I was like, okay, we're gonna read. So we went to Barnes and Noble. Got our. And I've first- always, I've always loved Barnes and Noble. I really True. like. I love it so much more now that I actually like am caring to like look at the book covers figure out if I'd actually read the book or not. Yeah, like, you always like the vibe, but I was always like, I don't read. Like, so, so I'm not going to buy books. But now that we do buy books and we love to read, we're like, Now it's oh like God, I go and so I'm just fun. like, I really shouldn't. Yeah. And I try to be like, don't buy anything, Megan. Um, And so Megan picks up The Silent Patient and November 9th for her two books. And then I pick up... Which, they were so good to get back into reading. Both of those are on this list. They are. Um, and then I picked up The Inheritance Games and Confess for my first two, like, not first two, but, like, to really get back into it. And so we each brought one book, I think, on vacation just because we didn't want to pack two books each. We didn't think we'd, like, finish them. Yeah. We and each finished our book. We each finished our books and we did a little swap swap. And I think we both finished those books by the time we came back from vacation as well. So that definitely, and I think even coming back, we still had a couple of days left of break mm-hmm. before going back to school. And so, like, we both finished reading all four of those books before we went back to school i think or at I least think, three of yeah. them yeah and i i did not think i could read books that fast like if you would have told me before like that i was reading more than a book a week i would have been like insane no. and i granted we were on spring break so we had time to do that but like i remember confess was I like the like, fastest i read a book when i like for first example, started reading like just like since i still am like right now i'm working like a full-time job i still finished like if you're reading a good book and granted, Sierra's been gone, so I haven't had, like, a whole lot of other stuff to do. Like, my schedule's not busy when I get home and off of work. But I read, like, a 360-page book in, like, three days just, you know, because 
I would read like solid chunks. Like I'd read like two or three hours a night. But when you have like, when I was getting off at like three on my early days or like four, it didn't take up my whole entire evening mm-hmm. necessarily. So, and again, the point is like, not just being like, oh, I got to read to like read. Like we want to make this a fun and enjoyable hobby it really sometimes. Is like, what I really don't like is to be a book hater because anything, if you enjoy reading it, then that's all that matters because you should look forward to I'm someone where I read for escapism. I appreciate like a good nonfiction or historical fiction read here and there. But I really, truly like the thing that gets me to read and want to like just keep like all I want to do is finish reading this book is if I truly feel like I escape into that world and just like need to know how to these characters. So that's like my main focus when I read. Um, And not so much like some people, if they read, they really try to put it on themselves as like, it's a learning opportunity. They want to grow. They want to learn. So a lot of people delve, in, delve into like the self-help genre or like educational books. Whatever floats your boat. That's just not that what, is we not what we're sharing to today. Reading. No. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Like that was definitely the so kickstart. I think, I think some people go into it thinking like if I'm going to read like that's what I'm going to do. And then it doesn't become fun. the fun thing that you want to do. So if you have if that's you, then maybe explore other books that you wouldn't think to read because you don't think reading for fun is like worth your time mm-hmm. and like i definitely like did not expect to like the romance genre as much as i do like the romance genre is probably like my favorite at this point but i said the books that i first like started out with and those were like ya like mystery kind of like whodunit type of stuff which is still fun but you know i was like oh i don't know if romance is like my thing and i do like it a lot so, like we never like watch it have like rom-coms or anything Mm-mm. like those types of movies aren't exactly our favorite and so i was surprised with how much i enjoyed just reading romance okay so let's get started with the first book that we are going to recommend this would be like i would say this is the most wide-reaching widest net of a book that i could recommend to like literally anyone yeah i would literally recommend it to anyone so we've talked about her before and that's Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. He is also the same author that wrote The Martian, which is in has been made into a movie. It's a great movie. Um, and we've passed this book along to quite a few. Well, technically, our mom listened to the audiobook. Um, Haley and Ashton, we gave this to them to read. They both rated it five stars. We both rated it five stars. It is such a good book. So... We're not really great at um, doing our own little summaries without yeah. messing it up messing or making it up. confusing. So um, these are from Goodreads. Is these what I are the summaries of the books. Um, so I'm going to start off by reading that because obviously I think, you know, you guys probably want to know at least a little bit what the book is about. And so let's do that. So Ryland Grace is the main character. He is the sole survivor on a desperate last chance mission. And if he fails, humanity and the earth itself will perish. Except that right now, he doesn't know that. He can't even remember his own name, let alone the nature of his assignment or how to complete it. All he knows is that he's been asleep for a very, very long time, and he's been, or, and he's just been awakened to find himself millions of miles from home with nothing but two corpses for company. His crewmate's dead, his memories fuzzily returning, Ryland realize, realizes that an impossible task now confronts him. Hurtling, throughout, or hurtling through space on his tiny ship, it's up to him to puzzle out an impossible scientific mystery and conquer an extinction-level threat to our species. And with the clock ticking down and the nearest human being light years away, he's got to do it all alone. Or does he? Ah, now. I just scream. I love it. Um, 
I went into this book fairly blind other than knowing... You should go into it knowing nothing more than that. Like, we're going to talk about it. Read, look at nothing else related to this book, and just start reading. Okay. Um, Okay. So, going into when we were, like, we're discussing this idea for a podcast, I was like, okay, we could just, like, fangirl over these books for... But then that wouldn't have each. But let's see if we can find a way to make this more helpful for you guys. And so, I was thinking to myself, like, what makes a good book for getting back into reading and clearly i couldn't think of it myself so i found um an article from masterclass.com titled what makes a book great the five elements of a good book and there's no specific author it just says it's written by masterclass so sorry to whoever wrote this but they basically give five elements and so we kind of for each book are going to run through how we think the big the books that we picked out fit these five elements so The first one is a strong opening, and I'm going to go ahead and read what they have put down for what makes a strong opening. A great book grabs readers' attention from the first page and doesn't let it go until they've reached the end of the book. That's why a strong opening is one of the most important elements of of book writing. For both nonfiction and fiction writers, the opening of a book offers an opportunity to introduce your main character, highlight your unique narrative voice, and convey the stakes of your storyline. A great novel will also use its opening pages to establish or subvert the conventions of the book's genre. For instance, readers expect a thriller to begin with immediate action or a fantasy fantasy novel to start with a scene in a new world. Either way, a great literature... Oh, wow. Either way, great literature is only as strong as its opening and the first few pages may be the difference between someone reading the entire book and leaving it on the library shelf. So, the strong opening in this book is... You're thrown into the confusion just like the main character is because you only know what he knows and he doesn't know anything. So you're already trying to figure out what's going on. Why doesn't he remember what's going on? How is he going to figure out what is going on and what he's supposed to be doing there? And some people kind of don't like science-y stuff. I didn't know if I would or not, but I really feel like the science-y stuff that is in this book, I thought some of it was intriguing. Like I just... It's obviously fiction, but it was done in a way where a lot of it was still real science. And you kind of feel smart when you, like, can understand what they're, like, going for. Because, like, this guy is using, the main character is using science to try and figure out what's going on. He has to solve, like, just problem after problem keeps coming his way. And he keeps trying to need to do his best to use science to figure out how to work past that. Um... I think that, so I just looked at, like, I pulled these books off our shelves yesterday just to kind of get an idea of, like, the writing style and the openings and stuff, and this book literally opens up with, like, someone saying, like, what's two plus two? And I feel like you're like, what is going on? And so you hear this, like, he hears this computer voice, like, he's just waking up, like, has no idea what's going on. And so I like, when I was reading that, just being like, I'm confused too, like, I don't know what's going on, Mm -hmm. like, you have to keep reading to try and make any sense of what's going on at all. So that's, I think, why I thought, like, that was a strong opening. was, like, mm-hmm. I was just as lost as he was. The other part, too, so this is the second thing in that article that, like, what makes a good book? Compelling characters. And when I tell you the characters in this book, the main characters, are the most intriguing characters that I've probably ever read. They are so likable. The dialogue and banter is funny and... I remember, I don't know, it was Jack Edwards was the one that, like, he really, he, like, hyped this book up a lot, too, and so he's kind of the one that, like, put this book recommendation in the back of my mind, but he, like, said that he was, like, literally, like, laughing out loud at some parts, 
and I did the same thing, which like you don't really find yourself like just laughing at a book silently reading too often. Um, but like my heart was just like warm when I would like see the main characters just interacting. It mm-hmm. was just a very fun experience and I enjoyed their friendship a lot. And I think the other thing is that there's such high stakes in this book that like, yeah, there's like some funny moments and stuff, but like the stakes, like, the are, stakes high. are high and I would be like, I'd be I'd like, be, oh my God, my heart is beating out of my like, chest. I'm so nervous to see like what's going to happen and yeah and i think like when you're rooting for those characters like a sign that like you like the characters and you enjoy them and they're well written is that you're rooting for what's going on like you feel like you have like a stake in the storyline as well you're like not just watching and seeing what happens you're like oh please like let this work mm-hmm. please let it work and so i just thought and this like, book like you think that like ugh, they just dealt with like such a huge giant problem but like they finally fix it they're over the hurdle and, then and something that else happens. immediately it's like something else happens and it's just like the problems keep being like different it's not like overdrawn either either where it's like okay like we get it like they can't have anything the other way but it's like it's new it's unique the problems are different the solutions are different and it just kept me at the edge of my seat the entire time i was reading it all right so the third element for what makes a good book is an absorbing story i feel like that's obviously like pretty basic but i'm gonna go ahead and read what the article considers an absorbing story when a reader picks up a novel short story or other piece of creative writing they want to be entertained by a good story from the inciting incident to the rising action to the climax a great story keeps the reader engaged from the first page onward absorbing stories don't happen by accident good writers often spend countless hours outlining and diagramming their plots so they know the page numbers that certain events happen on before they even begin writing Determining your story structure in advance can ensure that your plot is sustainable and compelling over the course of an entire novel. And then it just talking about kind of outlining in advance. So that's more for a writer than a reader. But when I'm, we've already talked about this. Yeah. But like from beginning to end, you are in it with them. Like there is never a dull moment. I know sometimes in books, there's that period of time where it's like, we need to either get background or like we need to just like have time go by. So like What's this nice thing can about happen. this, and this goes into like another thing is like, a unique style of the book is like another like thing in the article it talks about what's nice is that this book kind of instead of being dull and giving background information you have these flashbacks to the past where it starts kind of filling in the gaps a little bit of before he went on this mission there's other characters it shows like the training for the mission and things like that that you start to fill in the pieces there's another like little twist that happens with that and so it's not only just like crazy stuff happening while he's in space, but it's also like figuring out and uncovering these things that happened before he even went on the mission in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's like that whole like one fun thing about, you know, I feel like in every book that I read, you want like something that you don't know. And you're like, I'm trying to figure out like what's going on. And that can happen in like a thriller, sci-fi romance. Like it can happen in any style of book where it's like there's something that I'm not like getting right now like something is missing that i don't know so like with those back and forth chapters when it's present he's in the spaceship versus he like gets his memory back but it's in the form of flashbacks you get to fill in those gaps and like piece by piece you as the reader are like like, getting that information back the author doesn't give you too much to work with too early on because like you don't want to know what's going to happen until like you can brainstorm and try and figure out like what's he gonna do with this how's he gonna make this all make sense but I almost like that he doesn't give you too much to work with because then, like, you can't figure out what's going to happen. And you until- figure out, like, with the main character. Like, you are in it with him and you get to see, like, mentally him coming to these conclusions and figuring out stuff as he gets his memory back. And you're like, oh, my God, that was crazy. And another thing that makes this an absorbing story 
is that Andy Weir does such a good job with cliffhangers. Like you finish a chapter and you're like, well, I was going to stop, but now I got to read the next one. And going through like, how long are those chapters on average? Because the other thing to me, and maybe I'll like eat my words here, but I love short chapters because to me, if the chapters are long and it's like 20 to like 30 pages per chapter, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like more than I want to read right now. Even though if a chapter was like five pages and I just like read five, six chapters at once, that's the same thing. But a shorter chapter is just a lot more manageable and makes reading go by a lot faster. These seem like 20-ish pages, which is kind of like on the longer end, but it's still I feel like for sci-fi and like that book is pretty long in general, um, which is also something that would be like a little bit daunting potentially for new readers because it's probably it's 500 some pages, right? Yeah. So... I don't want that to deter you guys because trust me, like when you're this in is it, a gem of a book, you're in it. Uh, the rest of the books are all like pretty average length. This one's the longest one, I think, by far that we're sharing, but it is so good. So um, the last part, um, sharp dialogue is what makes a good book. Um, so what's nice about this book, especially because there's like some difficulty with communication, there's no fluff with the dialogue. It's all very purposeful. And I love how Andy Weir shows how communication is able to, like, start taking place between the main characters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that also just, again, knowing that the characters are just, like, so well-written and thought out. I feel like the characters' dialogue, but also, like, the internal monologues of just, like, them sharing their thoughts and stuff and, like, what they're thinking about. Like, that just, like, builds on why you're rooting for them as a character and, like, why you care about them. Because, like, I was so sad when I finished this book because I was like, I don't want these characters to be I gone. Know. Like, I want like, to like, stay in their them. world. So, it was, like, finishing the book was happy, but I was like, oh, like, I'm sad. <laughs> I want to be, like, back in it. So, I will definitely at some point probably reread that book, but I have not yet. One final, just give it its moment. Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Read it for sure. Incredible book. Okay. So the next book and our only romance on we don't have it in person. this list is November 9th by Colleen Hoover. So again, I'm going to read the main summary here and then we'll kind of get into all the other points. Fallon meets Ben, an aspiring novelist, the day before her scheduled cross-country move. Their untimely interaction leads them to spend Fallon's last day in LA together and her eventful life becomes the creative inspiration Ben has always sought for his novel. Over time, and amidst the various relationships and tribulations of their own separate lives, they continue to meet on the same date every year. Until one day, Fallon becomes unsure if Ben has been telling her the truth or fabricating a perfect reality for the sake of the ultimate plot twist. Can Ben's relationship with Fallon and simultaneously his novel be considered a love story if it, if it ends in heartbreak? Um, so, this was my first Colleen Hoover book that I ever read, and I'm not one, like, I don't really go back and reread books and I because I don't think I've ever gone back and like reread a book there's books I've thought about like oh I should go like reread it Project Hail Mary is one and really the only Colleen Hoover book that I've thought like I should go back and reread is November 9th because like that's how much I love that book like I devoured that book when I like read it the one first day time. like one or two days for sure and I think it's like a lot of her books have kind of like the same trend but this one with the timeline i thought was like pretty unique and different and i really liked that about it so um again starting with the first thing a strong opening i think colleen hoover in general does a great job even if like the openings later on aren't that important 
like she does a great job of grabbing your attention from the very beginning so i even wrote down like the quote from her first line that she wrote which was i wonder what kind of sound it would make if i were to smash this glass against the side of his head and i feel like a lot of her books start with that and like that thought doesn't really matter later on in the book but it's like as the reader you're thinking who is she talking to why does she want to smash glass against his head why are these like such strong emotions yeah like it's as a reader it puts those questions in your head that you want answered and so you want to keep reading and so colleen hoover in general pretty much every i swear like every opening line is like something crazy like that like verity i just like know someone like got hit by a car or something and you're like what (laughs) verity is not on this list but i don't like i read that and i was like what again doesn't matter later on in the book but you're like, whoa. You just kind of get, like, thrown in to the situation Truly. that you're about to start reading about. There's no, like, you don't get the background right away. Like, you're in the midst of usually, like, like you're thrown into the character's life. You're thrown into a conversation they're having. Like, just, this is their problem, and you're here, too. And you're like, whoa. I don't even know what's going on. So it's kind of, like, fun to get to figure out, like, oh, she's talking to this person. I think it's nice when books do that rather than, like, give you too much background information at first just because, like you'll get the background later Mm -hmm. you'll find out what you need to know but here's the thing that's going to get you to want to keep reading first let's introduce the problem first um compelling characters so the main characters are ben and fallon um ben wants to be an author but he needs an idea for his big break and so he also deals a lot with personal and family trauma that informs his character decision making later on in the book that you don't really you know it's there but you don't know a whole lot about it until later on and you kind of start getting there's like past point of view for this too right i don't think so i think it's just so there's just, dual pov which we mentioned in part of like the unique style that i mean you like you get to like background stuff at like the end yeah okay. like the manuscript or whatever i don't know don't say manuscript <laughs> we're not talking about verity here yeah we'll get triggered here um and then fallon so she has hopes and dreams of becoming this famous actress she actually is off to a pretty good start like in her acting career and then all of a sudden she's the victim of a house fire has these pretty significant burns on her face and kind of over her body that her like agent and stuff is kind of like well you know i just don't know if acting is for you like no one's gonna really hire you with this look that you have going on and so i think she like steps down for a little bit but then ultimately decides you know what i'm gonna move to new york try some acting out there and like see if i can make it big and so like that's where we kind of meet her she's like literally leaving that night or like the next day for new york to move so they both have like they both meet each other with like these other big projects or things that they want to make sure they accomplish on their own so his is writing his book and Fallon's trying to like pursue her acting career and so even though they have like this amazing entire day where they're hanging out and they really enjoy each other's company they decide that she's like well i'm moving other things are more important to them at this point in time and so they decide okay let's meet back here one year from now we're not gonna have literally any contact like i'm not giving you any information other than we are agreeing right now to meet up here one year from now and so um the idea itself like you just are kind of like how are they going to make this work or like as the reader i was kind of like how are they going to live a whole year of their lives make this work what kinds of problems like you don't have any form of communication so if something does come up what are they going to do? How are they going to solve that? Um, and it doesn't really even, like, it doesn't follow the characters at all into, like, these other lives that no, they're living. No, like, the only thing we get is, like, when they're like, oh, like, how's your last year been? And like, oh, like, I've done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That's so it, it literally just jumps, like, 
from like those days are the only days that matter next year and that's where it starts off at um and so that idea to me is like just very intriguing because i want to see like what's happened in the past year of their lives uh you know it's a romance book so you're obviously like rooting for them and they have like strong feelings for each other but like a whole year these people are human and they have no way to communicate and they don't fully like share their feelings or their plans for any future and they kind of are like they're trying to think in their head like themselves is this relationship like something that's important to me and that i care enough about where like this whole five-year thing is stupid like what are we even doing but then like they kind of keep reinforcing the importance of like no this was really important of us like for us to do and so you're kind of like frustrated because you're like you guys just like chill stop like communicate yeah but it's fun and a reason why i think like this is a good romance book for you to like get into the genre is that like it's pretty common for most romance books to like have like some like wool in the plot or like whatever just like that is the nature of like when you have this new relationship that's forming but with this book being packed in just like literally like five or six days i don't fully remember but like truly it is just one day at a time it is all action all the time because like that is the only time they're seeing each other so a lot is happening and it's like crazy things happen like they'll meet for like one year and you're like whoa what happened within this like within this yeah you're like guys and then like things maybe don't go so well and then like maybe the they're gonna stop doing the meetups but maybe they won't i don't know so and then like the end crazy ending like crazy twist crazy reveal that i was like oh my god no way (laughs) um so again just kind of jumping to like number three an absorbing story we've already been talking about that and how like this is the fastest paced romance book that we've probably both read and it just keeps you super interested the entire time you're reading it and it's also like there's other stuff like you meet other characters not just like the two main characters like you get to meet some of ben's family and like you learn about fallon like some of her issues with her dad so it's not just like them two together like they have to navigate other issues that they're each facing somehow within like the one day that they're together each year and then sharp dialogue we didn't really have anything like specific for this book but you know i'm sure the dialogue was great between the characters um and then we already did mention this but like for unique style it's a dual pov book and so each chapter goes back and forth between like here's Fallon's point of view and then here's Ben's point of view I love a romance with a dual POV like I you want to know what both it. of them are thinking and sometimes sometimes dual romances will like have both of them reflect like on like the same thing at the same point in time but for the most part like they'll kind of just like pick up where the other left off and then like time will continue on um I love 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 a dual POV so and Colleen Hoover's really a lot of her books do that so mm-hmm so I think that is pretty much it for November 9th. Okay. Next one is The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides, or however you say his name. Um, so like I said, this was the book that I brought with me on spring break 2021. Like um, not spring break, but it was like our summer break thing. True. Yes. Um, and so I had seen this. I think Brooke Michio read this and so she kind of hyped it up a lot and so i was like okay i am interested um because this is like a thriller type of book and so again like sierra just mentioned i didn't really go into oh like romance is gonna be my favorite genre ever like i'm gonna get a bunch of romance books so i went into like the thriller mystery type of books first and i picked this one up and we'll start with a summary how about that (laughs) sure so, Alicia Berenson's life is seemingly perfect. A famous painter married to an in-demand fashion photographer, she lives in a grand house with big windows overlooking a park in one of London's most desirable areas. 
One evening, her husband Gabriel returns home late from a fashion shoot, and Alicia shoots him five times in the face and then never speaks another word. Alicia's refusal to talk or give any kind of explanation turns a domestic tragedy into something far grander, a mystery that captures the public imagination and casts Alicia into notoriety. The price of her art skyrockets, and she, the silent patient, is hidden away from the tabloids and spotlight at The Grove, a secure forensic unit in North London. Theo Faber is a criminal psychotherapist who has waited a long time for the opportunity to work with Alicia. His determination to get her to talk and unravel the mystery of why she shot her husband it takes him down a twisting path into his own motivations, a search for the truth that threatens to consume him. I mean, that summary right there, it's a pretty intense book. Um, but like it's not it's not scary or anything no. like that. Um, so the strong opening at this book, I again put like the first kind of line of the book is just Alicia Berenson was 33 years old when she killed her husband. And like some people might dislike that. To me, I liked it because it was just like short to the point and it instantly and like, lays it out. And you're like, why? And then within like the first page or two, it kind of like relays the details and circumstances of the husband's death. Kind of just like how the summary did where it's just like this quick and dirty like this happened this happened this happened it lays the groundwork and like she's not talking and we're like why like that's how i felt after reading the summary that's how i felt after reading the first couple pages i was like why why one why did she kill him two now why is she not talking Mm -hmm. and like those are the two main questions that i had when i was reading and why i wanted to continue and that's what the main character which like alicia is kind of the main character but really the psychotherapist is the main character in this book and that's his question too is why is she not talking how can i try to get her to start talking um so in terms of compelling characters we have theo faber and we have alicia berenson um so he's the psychotherapist he's trying to um obviously understand alicia's story but then also you do get insight into his own own home life and kind of like it's following him for the most part because he's the main character of the book so you get insight into his relationships and things like that and then Alicia Berenson, you, she doesn't talk in the book, but you do get insight into her own thoughts with different journal entries that she's written from the past that are inserted into the book. Mm-hmm. And I believe Theo is reading these, right? Like he found them, so he's reading them? Maybe. I think. I'm not I could be lying, but I'm pretty sure he's reading them. Um, so that's kind of how you get insight into her, because otherwise you really don't know a whole lot about Alicia Berenson. And that's kind of like what makes the mystery better, because you see... A seemingly normal person ri- like writing these journal entries out and then you're kind of like how did we get here where we are now where she's not talking she killed her husband what happened and so i think that kind of leads into like for the absorbing story like it kind of switches back and forth between theo talking to alicia in her like not really cell but like her room i guess and then it will like we'll get a journal entry that like we're reading that's obviously from past alicia before all this crazy stuff happened and like her journals will start like farther in the past and like will gradually get closer and closer and closer to like the journal where she like right before she killed her husband and stuff and like we'll see her thoughts change maybe she's like getting a little bit paranoid about some stuff like we just see how someone who's like seemingly normal can like go to killing her husband basically and then you kind of get like these mix of like okay we have the present going on just like in general her journals are going on and we kind of like end up suddenly we're in one spot everything collides huge plot twist in this book at least for me um but i think that's the general reaction when people read this book um what i really hate is a book that has like a plot twist you can see from a mile away one of our other books in my opinion has that but it like wasn't the main part like purpose of the book so it doesn't really matter that's why we're still recommending it but this book i have i mean sierra caught on 
couple pages before I did. Like one page. For it was me, like when I I think I found it when I was supposed to though. Yeah. So for me, I was reading this book like in the bedroom of the Airbnb where we were staying in, just kind of like I think I was like reading a couple more pages before like I had to go shower or something. And so it was such an immediate this is the plot twist and I did not see it coming at all until I just read it happen on the page. And because, you know, sometimes like in a book, like you start, you get an you're inkling. Like, oh, wait, you're wait, kinda like, wait, this is this is what I think is going to happen. And obviously, like, that's still a pretty good plot twist. But I read the plot twist of this book. And then and you're like, I was, wait, I turned to see her and I was like, I just read the plot twist of my book because <laughs> I was just like, whoa, I was so just not expecting it at all. And then it just kind of like you have to take a moment to just like rethink everything you just read the entire book because you're like i'm so confused now and then obviously like the rest of the book helps to kind of clear things up a little bit i will say like i know some people have read this book and they thought like the beginning was slow and stuff i personally thought it was interesting like the entire way through i can see how people would think it was slow and stuff um but to me like the plot twist itself is just like so worth it have maggie and Haley read this book yeah i think that they both gave it five stars at least four and to me, a four is a good book. So, anything else? I didn't really think of like, any specific like yeah. dialogue that I could think of for this book. Um, and I already mentioned like the mix of journal entries and whatnot. So, Silent Patient, great book. Biggest plot twist of my life that I've read thus far. So, the next book is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. We had to get a recommendation for like some YA mystery out there because we've read quite a few trilogies at this point Mm -hmm. um, within this genre. And I think this one is definitely our favorite. Yeah. We were kind of stuck between where like, did we want to put The Inheritance Games or do we want to put A Good Girl's Guide to Murder? And I do think I preferred this series a little bit more and I think there's a little bit more going on. Um, And sometimes I think The Inheritance Games can be like a little tricky to follow sometimes versus this is it's pretty easy to remember like what's going on and stuff so um summary for this one the case is closed five years ago schoolgirl andy bell was murdered by sao sing the police know he did it everyone in town knows he did it but having grown up in the same small town that has consumed or that was consumed by the murder pippa fitz and moby isn't so sure when she chooses the case as a topic for her final pro- or her final year project, she starts to uncover secrets that someone in town desperately wants to stay hidden. And if the real killer still is still out there, how far will they go to keep Pip from the truth? So, one thing great about this is that if you like this book, there are two other books in the series. It's a whole trilogy, and each and book I think they just get better and stuff. better the more you read. Like the last book, especially in this series, was like it's wild. it went. It was such a different thing than I was expecting. It was truly wild. Anyway. So. So, <clears throat> as far as, like, the opening for this book, it starts with one, like, this book kind of is cool because the whole s- trilogy does this sort of, like, mixed media approach where it'll show, like, snippets from police reports. It'll show, like, some of her audio files for when she's doing she's her podcast. She's a podcast. That's, like, her big project. Um, it'll show, like, diary entries and stuff from people. It'll show, like, computer files. So, there's, like, some mixed media stuff that makes it kind of cool that you get to see as a reader. Um, so it starts with, like, the image of, like, Pip's, like, project proposal for her, like, capstone project. And then the first chapter is just running through, like, I just kind of, like, read it and skimmed it yesterday to, like, double check what the opening was. And it's basically just kind of, like, this poor, like, uh, the poor Singh family, like, they're 
son is like a convicted killer but he's dead like uh poor them poor them poor them and you're like getting this idea like through the lens of pip who's the main character and then like within the first couple of pages she's like knocking on their front door saying hey um can i talk to you about your brother who's dead who like killed supposedly this girl and like that's how it starts so i feel like as the reader i was like oh dang like we're getting right into it mm-hmm. um compelling characters so pip she's the main character and then ravi is also heavily involved in the books and he is the brother of the convicted killer who's now dead and so you're kind of like that's an unusual like alliance unusual max, um yeah. to have going there um and then andy and sal are both dead andy is the one that was murdered and then sal is the one that who was convicted of killing her but they then, also like were dating like sal yeah. and andy were dating so it's like we think she was killed by the boyfriend like that kind of is right. the thought right and now. so uh, you kind of like learn about them mostly through other people there's not really like flashbacks or anything that like no. is them like jumping to these characters interacting they're kept pretty like mysterious and like you don't know a whole lot about them mm-hmm. i think one thing that's interesting not so much for sal but more with andy is like she's like this mystery girl who's like by you know hearing the other characters like, that are interviewed throughout the book and like their relationships to her like their experiences that they've had with her we get like this picture of andy revealed and she's potentially different than what she was made out to be at the start of the book and you're like oh okay so andy's not mm-hmm. quite the girl like next door that we thought she was and then third thing is an absorbing story so this is a pretty classic whodunit type of novel where you're trying to work with pip to figure out what can she uncover who is the person behind this if it's not sal because obviously like sal is has already been the convicted person of like oh this is who killed andy and pip is saying i don't think so and so you're trying to figure out okay if if it's not him who is it um and so it's fun to see you're going through the book as she's getting this new information trying to kind of put the pieces together with her and like you can play along that's definitely like i try and do that for the most part with these kinds of books i do not know of anyone who's guessed the reveal because i was like what is going on like no way so i thought it was a crazy reveal um not like the moment that like the silent patient had but like the yeah. plot twist itself is like whoa i also feel like what's really and it's fun like a double plot twist trilogy is you have this mystery in this book and then you have you kind of like we really like there's another mystery going on in this town in the second book so you kind of like you go along with it and it's different and interesting in its own way and then the third book you realize that everything it's all connected was all connected manifest even though it didn't seem like everything's connected so that was a really satisfying ending in my opinion that was like i rated that book five stars whereas like the other two books in the series i think i rated like four stars because it just it made everything click so motivation for you to read the whole series um as far as sharp dialogue i thought it was fun for this book a lot of the interviews are kind of shown in this sort of like um transcript layout where it's like you're seeing their dialogue but like it's in a transcript form since it's a podcast and i think it's cool because like as they as these characters are being interviewed you get a sense of like maybe like where they're insecure in like the themselves or like where they're iffy about their alibis where they get nervous sharing certain parts of like stories and so you kind of like get to know these characters and like be suspicious of them or like maybe you rule them out and like i just think it's fun to like play along with like based off of what they're telling pip during these interviews yeah okay let's go ahead and jump into unless there's anything else you wanted to add nope i think we can jump into the last one here so our final book recommendation um for this episode is 
The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, this is the only book I've read by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, and I remember when I first read it, this was like really bad of me, but I think when I first read it, I rated it three stars. And then upon further reflection, I ended up going back and rating it four stars. And I feel like my appreciation grew for it after the fact because one thing you should know about this book is that it is about the journey and not the destination. There's a possible potential plot twist in this, but in my opinion, I saw it coming from a mile away and it really wasn't the main point of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will read the summary. So aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband has left her and her professional life is going nowhere. Regardless of why Evelyn has selected her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's luxurious apartment, Monique listens in fascination as the actress tells her story. From making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to her decision to leave show business in the 80s and, of course, the seven husbands along the way, Evelyn unspools a tale of ruthless ambition, unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love. Monique begins to feel very real connections to the legendary star, but as Evelyn's story nears its or Evelyn's story and nears its conclusion, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. All right, so as far as the opening for this book, it starts off with, again, like, this book also has sort of a mixed media vibe where you get, like, um, the initial, like, press release of, like, oh, Evelyn Hugo's auctioning off all, like, her famous dresses, and then at the end of a few chapters, you get, like, these tabloid snippets from, like, this um, Sub Rosa paper where just kind of, like, every once in a while, like, during different phases of Evelyn's life, it's like, oh, Evelyn's with this new guy, like, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, things aren't looking so hot in Hollywood. Like, I don't know. Just, like, you get some fun little snippets um, throughout the book. Um, and then after, like, the press release for, like, oh, she's auctioning off her gowns, that's when we get to meet Monique herself. And we're initially brought into, like, oh, she's being called into the office at the magazine that she works at. And they're like, Evelyn Hugo, like, wants you to, like, write her biography. We don't know why. But she wants you to do it and only you otherwise she's not doing it and so i think as the reader like megan mentioned like there's this plot twist at the end and i think that the plot twist helps at first set up like the why of like why you want to keep reading i'm like oh like why is monique being offered the job like to me that's why it's like that initial hook mm-hmm. but i wouldn't if i was you i would not hold on to that being like this is what i want to find out when i'm reading like this is the point yeah. of the book and i think that's what i kind of like was getting i think that's what helped me like not enjoy it the first time that I like went through and read it because um really when I was reading this book the present day stuff with Monique and Evelyn like I really didn't yeah, care that much that about stuff not the best I wanted to read like the flashbacks what I loved was like the chapters of these books were named after each of her seven husbands and so you kind of like before you go into it you're just like seven husbands like how how does that happen how does that happen and this just lays out like this crazy hollywood lifestyle that you hear her reasoning behind like this is why it made sense for me you know she's like evelyn's not like a perfect human being she's in the industry she's going after what she wants and some of these relationships are definitely just like a means to an end and then you know on to the next one and then some of them are more meaningful to her and it was just interesting to see the journey of her life yeah like truly i want to emphasize if you have not read this book it is about the journey and like reading her life 
the plot twist at the end maybe will like make the book for you maybe it'll make it a little bit better to me it was like eh like okay but like truly like to me if the book was just like literally evan's evelyn's life it would have been a great book mm-hmm. but obviously it was written the way it was so we have to work through the parts with monique and like interviewing and stuff and like that stuff was fine i just was like oh like let's get back into the story like evelyn tell more of your life yeah so sierra wrote on here like for the compelling characters evelyn gives off like she's a force to be reckoned with especially her past self like she's still spunky in her older age too but she gives off like miranda Priestley vibes if you've watched devil wears prada and just like kind of like she is the boss woman she knows what she wants and she's gonna do what she needs to do to make that happen Monique, honestly, like, she has her own storyline, and the thing I said, like, her life is, like, she's getting divorced. Truly, I don't care about Monique. Like, sorry, girl. Yeah. But I was like, oh, yeah, she had marriage problems. I forgot about that. Like, to me, it is not about Monique. It is about Evelyn, and the story is, like, when she gets those flashbacks going, like, that's the book. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say something else, too, but I forgot. (laughs) Um, Sharp dialogue. So, this book is very dialogue-heavy. Um, especially during Evelyn's retelling of stuff. The retelling is like, it basically jumps back in time and is kind of like you're there with them through that with Evelyn. And like, it's, it seems like it's present at the time. Um, she recounts conversations she's had with important people throughout her life. And that helps to keep things pretty fast paced and moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think like the good thing about, you know, she obviously has seven husbands, and so you get to, like, meet each of those characters and how she interacts so with them. they so different. They are, like, they vastly different, different. And so it's, like, kind of cool to see, like, the conversations and how she interacts with each, with each of those husbands, like, changes depending on who she's with. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say. One of the other things that helped me to recognize how good this book was after I read it was, like, thinking about this book. It's supposed to be made into, like, a movie with Netflix, I think that was like was supposedly in the works and then the more we thought about the more like because we were talking about that when we found out it this would be the perfect opportunity to make a docuseries not docuseries docu- a limited series yeah, <laughs> a limited series with each episode as a husband like if they Netflix, don't, if they don't switch this from being a movie to a limited series what a missed opportunity because like there's so much meat in this that it could be a limited series. Like, a movie is going to fly by. Truly. I just don't think that it'd be the right move. Um, but that's just like the... I feel like you could have such a fun time with like the time period that this is set in. And like the visual... Uh, the visuals that they could provide with a limited series for this book would be so like, good. Please get on it, Netflix. I'm begging you. Um any other unique style stuff that we haven't yet talked about no i think we covered those so basically just like the book being split into the parts of like husband like the first one is i don't remember his name one is don adler i remember that he's a husband in there at some point um and yeah i just i really enjoyed the book overall i think it's a good book to get back into if you're not sure what kind of style of book you're looking for um i don't know what that one yeah like i mean fiction (laughs) like it's not romance so like there's it talks about her husband and stuff, but yeah, it's not, I wouldn't consider it romance. It just like, it just is. It's kind of its own thing. Yeah. Like it lives on our romance shelf, but we like just don't know where else to put it. <laughs> so those would be our five book recommendations to get yourselves back into reading. If you've read any of these books, let us know what you thought of them because I definitely want to, obviously we hyped them up enough. So maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. 
we can chat um feel free to leave any book recommend recommendations for us or other listeners in the comments if you're watching youtube or on instagram if you want to just go to our poster there and let's just talk about books it's always a fun time um we always post our podcasts every thursday morning so subscribe to our youtube channel so you can watch the video version or make sure you subscribe to wherever you listen spotify apple i don't know where podcasts on apple stuff apple podcast yeah um otherwise we will talk to you guys next thursday bye, bye.